Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Mark Metry. Mark is a featured TEDx speaker and podcast host and recently appeared on the Amazon Prime documentary series, The Social Movement. Early on, he suffered from social anxiety and health issues, and he couldn't make direct eye contact with anyone. He wasn't living the life he wanted to live, but that all changed. His inspiring story on combating shyness has been featured in Forbes, Influence, Inc., Huffington Post, and Fearless Motivation, and he's featured as a guest on over 100 radio and podcast shows. All right, Mark, well, thank you so much, so, so much for coming on this podcast. I have been watching you from afar. I came across your Instagram probably, I don't know, three or four months ago, and it really it, it moved me looking at your story and how young you are and what you're doing. And I saw parallels in what I've been doing and I thought I've got to talk to this guy and I'm so grateful that you've made the time to have a chat with me all the way from the US. I'm in Melbourne right now. Uh, so thank you so much, mate. I, I really appreciate it. Nick, thank you so much, man. And, um, you know, as someone who also has a podcast that's really focused on mental health, uh, you know, thank you for creating this platform, you know, because ultimately, you know, it's not about me, it's not about you, but, you know, it's about all of us. It's about the people listening. And the more that we can do this, the more that, you know, we can destigmatize this, educate people, and the more that people can just manage this on a healthy level in their lives and people are happier. So thank you for having me on, man. Thank you, man. A hundred percent. It's not about any individual and, you know, we're all in this together and the more we can all get these messages out there, the more change we can all make. It's about working together to get that message out there. So um, before we get into it, are you able to just give give me just a, a brief background on yourself and how you came to, you know, what you're doing now. Yeah, so, you know, I'm 22, going to turn 23 this month, and my parents, they immigrated to the United States from Egypt a couple years before I was born, and uh, they came to America with 200 bucks, they didn't speak English, very much lived kind of the, the immigrant uh, hustlers mentality of, um, you know, my parents would always work so many jobs, so many different jobs. We would move around a ton, so many different apartment buildings from the projects, uh, like government housing to then eventually, you know, better and better places. And so I remember just having like a very simple childhood. Nothing, nothing crazy happened except for that constant instability. But for me, where I kind of saw things that really shaped me when I was about uh, second, third grade, I think about 9, 10, 11 years old, as my parents got better jobs, we ended up moving to out of the inner city into a small town. And in this small town, there were only about like 5,000 people. And the really interesting part about this small town was, you know, there were a lot of amazing people, but there was no racial diversity in this area whatsoever. 
and also in America um, around this time. This was, you know, not not long after 9-11 in America. And so anyone who's kind of Middle Eastern knows in America that after 9-11, you know, the, the Middle Eastern's uh, perception of kind of like who we are really, really declined. Everyone thought that you were some you know, Muslim terrorists, you know, you were related to someone named Osama or Muhammad. Um, and it was just a really interesting time. And so I remember growing up facing a, a tremendous amount of racism, uh, being in an environment that wasn't supportive, that was literally different from who I was. And also at the same time, uh, I also began to have different physical health issues like autoimmune um, things like asthma, ADD, things that a lot of kids have in America these days. Um, and then really that ended up placing me in this mentality where, you know, I, I just sort of slipped into this mentality where, you know, I just stopped talking to people. I just put my head down wherever I went. I never made eye contact. Uh, I would always be the kid who was sitting in the back of the room with, by himself um, was a was a pretty bad student, didn't play any sports, um, really had no friends, and was really stuck in this mentality of having social anxiety for really a decade. And it was really terrible. And it was really um it was really awful. You know, I can I can go more into it, but you know, there were some pros and some cons about that in my life. And um, you know, the the next significant chapter that really shaped me into like what I'm doing now is when I was about 18 years old, I, you know, when I was growing up and I was dealing with social anxiety and I had no friends, my escape was the internet. My escape was business, entrepreneurship. And so by the time I was like 16, 17, I was very well off. I was making like six figures online. Uh, everything was like totally automated. It was like some some really great scenario. Um, and when I was 18, I, you know, really ended up just, entering this this time in college where um, it got to a point where I just I couldn't run away from myself anymore and you know I, I remember throughout my entire life like whenever I would be in a situation into an interaction with someone you know I would always wa- want to be myself you know I would always want to tell them what I thought but I always felt like there was just like this thing in my brain that was just always holding me back automatically. And I would literally feel like I would try to do this in every single moment of my life. And so by the time I was 18, I was just like, enough is enough. I got to change this. And so when I began to kind of go on the journey of growth, at first it kind of really backfired. (laughs) At first it actually made me a lot more stressed out and I wasn't seeing results. And so I just thought that I was broken. And when that happened, I... I actually entered in this period of my life where I began to abuse food, eventually things like alcohol, drugs, Netflix, partying. And um, I remember, you know, I was obese. I gained a tremendous amount of weight. I was depressed for the first time in my life. And, and eventually I was suicidal. And so that for me was kind of when I was 18, that part of my journey where it was almost kind of like my rock bottom where I just, you know, had enough of having enough and I didn't know what to do. Um, and so it was really that dark, dark time that eventually enabled me to gain some perspective on how it's like terrible life could be from the perspective of, um, you know, 
I began to realize more on mental health. I began to learn more about like the neuroscience. I began to understand what anxiety actually was. Um, and also when I began to discover these things, that also gave me almost a foundation to be able to be like, you know, I, I kind of felt like I, to some degree, missed the first 18 years of my life because I didn't have a social life because of social anxiety. And so for me, I really use that as a moment to be like, hey, let me learn more about this. Let me try to see if I can manage this so that it doesn't, you know, choke me in every single thing that I want to do in life. And so it wasn't, you know, obviously it wasn't anything overnight, but that was like definitely the first domino piece to me that fell that eventually, you know, led me to, you know, doing everything that I'm doing today from being an entrepreneur to eventually having a podcast, writing a book, all that stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's always a constant journey and it's just constantly been this journey of, um, you know, trying to figure out what can I bring from within me outside to the world so that it can, you know, help people for sure. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> no, it, it, it answers it super well. And I mean, there's so many things I want to, you know, talk about with you and um, sort of gave me goosebumps hearing you talk about that as well, because just purely from my own story, it's so similar, this whole um, sit, this experience of having social anxiety, having these problems that mm. you, you know, don't understand at that age and going through all of these cycles of, you know, I had the same thing happen and mm. confronting it. But what what I just think is so incredible and at such a young age, like you said, you're 22, turning 23, you've made this transformation, but you haven't only gone and done that. You've decided to dedicate your life to using these experiences to educate other people, which mm. it's arguably one of the most important things we can do because we are not educated enough about mental health. We're not taught this in school uh, mm -hmm. where, you know, we, this, <laughs> as you know, so we need people like you out in the world talking about this. And uh, yeah, so, you know, it's incredible. And congratulations on your book and everything else you're doing. It's, it's, it's really amazing. And, um, you know, there's so many things that I want to, um, you know, talk about um, with this. I guess the, the, the first one, um, you're talking about, from your experience you were saying you um you were saying sort of food alcohol different vices but um mm. from what i read uh you were you were saying food was sort of the biggest vice for you to, to cope um how did how did that manifest was that that just became the the catalyst for you to to really cope in that situation yeah i mean it's it's super interesting you know and i one time read this quote and it said um food is the most used anti-anxiety medication. And it's really interesting because, you know, my parents taught me from a very young age to never really do drugs or alcohol. And so for me, that really wasn't that big of an issue. But I was never told like, hey, don't abuse food, you know. And I think in our society, food is this thing that it's just so acceptable, obviously, because everyone has to eat. And I think a lot of us have our coping mechanisms, our emotions often tied with food. And so for me, it wasn't just then. It was really all throughout my life when I look back at it. It was, you know, me getting out of class in high school and being extremely anxious, being sad, being angry, and then going to, you know, the McDonald's drive through 
and eating a ton of junk food, for example. And in college, I really saw that play out where I really began to, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I remember, it's funny because I look back at, um, I look back at my bank statements and when I was in college, I was spending about $1,000 a week on takeout food. And so, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so if you look at it from that perspective, it's like, man, I was ordering out all the time, Mm. every time. And it really just became uh, my only source of validation in life. It was probably like that, Netflix, video games. Um, You know, I was living with roommates at the time who were very Mm -hmm. friendly, but I just totally decided to ignore them and just kind of socially isolate myself. And next thing you know, I kind of just slip in this, this like trance that, that I call and you know all of a sudden I've gained something like 65 70 pounds I'm now over 200 pounds in a very short period of time and yeah I mean it, it was just crazy and it was you know eventually what ended up happening was you know all these coping mechanisms that I had they eventually just stopped working and what I mean was eventually I just couldn't fall asleep at night and whether it was the food the alcohol the Netflix it just stopped working. It wasn't putting me to sleep anymore. And I've really learned that a real, the real breaking point of a human being is when they can't go to sleep at night. That's when they will try to do everything because we all know if you don't, if you're not able to get a good night's rest, it's you're miserable, especially in terms of in terms of your mind. Um, Absolutely. And so for me, what I began to do was I began to go for walks in Boston in my area in the really dangerous places at night. And so I was basically, I got to a conclusion in my head where I was like, life is so painful. I have no idea what's going on. I don't want to do this anymore. I I just want this to end. And so I began to just go for walks every day for like two, three weeks at like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in very dangerous areas in, in, in my neighborhood with filled with like gang activity, mugging, shootings, things like that. And I would literally just fantasize about someone walking up to me and, uh, and and killing me. And, you know, really what ended up happening to me was many different things happened to me. One was I had I had a, a, a version of a very um, – I had an experience that I never had before in my life. And it was this experience of, you know, I remember walking and I wasn't on my phone. I – you know, there were no cars in the street. There was nobody walking. And I remember I just, I heard like this eerie sense of silence. And I remember like I was hearing the silence. I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. And I remember stopping and like looking around and just realizing that like I was kind of like all alone here just on this walk. And when that happens, I, you know, began to feel, you know, very heightened emotions of almost what felt like um, like my mom giving me a hug. That's the best way I think I can describe it. And, um, you know, when that happened, I think it, it caused me to just stop in my tracks and be like, wait, what just happened? What is like this very deep sense of emotion that I, I feel like I've never felt before? And, you know, part of the reason why I was suicidal and why I wanted to kill myself. Again, it's not because I was, um, you know, a bad person or, or, you know, for wanting to end my life, but it was just because I thought I had tried everything to help myself, you know? And at the end of the day, 
I think that's what we're all trying to do. We're all trying to help ourselves in the ways that we have been taught how. And for me, I was like, this is all I can do. So this is the next possible best solution. And when I felt that emotion, I was like, wow, clearly I've never felt this before. And if I've never felt this emotion before, then maybe that means that there are things that I don't know yet. Maybe there are things that I haven't explored yet. And when I, you know, kind of went through this experience that is very hard to talk about with language, it it almost like gave me hope. It gave me some sense of faith that enabled me to, you know, not keep walking. And I remember running back to my college dorm room that same night. And I remember running and going to my bathroom and standing in front of my mirror. And I had like this pretty big mirror. And I remember looking at myself and just being like, like, bro, who are you? And I remember when I had that moment, it, you know, and at this time too, like, I didn't know what mindset was. I didn't know what mental health was. I had, I had never heard of these things. I had never heard someone say like, be positive or any of these things. And so for me, I remember looking at the mirror and just asking like, like, bro, who are you? Like you've changed. Um, and for me, you know, I could only see the external world, the physical world, because I wasn't aware of the inner mental, emotional, spiritual world. And I remember just looking at myself in the mirror and being like, oh my God, like, and I remember feeling like my waists and all of a sudden feeling that like my pants were extremely tight on me. And I remember just being like, wow, like Mark, you've gained a ton of weight. Like, like what just happened? And that for me was like, I think the real moment of awareness that I had that was able to almost like snap me out of this trance that I was in for like the last several months that was just getting me to like escape, escape, escape my emotions through food, Netflix, alcohol that just put me in this trance trance where you can't really change your behavior because you can't see anything outside of that. And so when that happened, that was the real domino in my journey that fell where I was like, hey, let me try to start losing weight. And that for me, like started my journey of everything. Um, but yeah, that's definitely how it began. And, and, and yeah, you know, that's something I talk about too with people about, you know, looking at how you're coping with things, you know, because we all have pain. We all have emotional, psychological pain. And I think it really does come down to how you deal with that pain because this pain is, um, you know, th- there's no like, there's no one solution that you can apply to this that'll totally change everything. Um, and so that is super important for, I think, for all of us to like look at at all times of the day, all the time of like, what are we doing when we are in pain? So I'm super glad you asked that question, Nick. Yeah. And, and thank you for that answer. And, you know, as you're talking, there's so many things um, coming into my, my head about what I want to just expand on with you with this. And, what I really love about what I'm seeing with you already is just how open you are about this and how well you articulate your story and not sugarcoating it. And it, it, that's so important because we, as humans, we, you know, we don't want to feel alone. We want to be able to relate to other people. And it's what I've found in my work as well by just going the main thing I've really done in my talks is I go and I just tell a really honest, raw story and it helps people. And I can see from what you're saying here. And 
these things you're talking about and with things like addiction i think uh, in society and like what you were saying um with food it's not normally seen as something that uh we would become addicted to because it's something we have to use every day Mm. we're not because of our lack of education uh you know addiction is much much broader than the typical drugs alcohol etc addiction can be literally anything it doesn't really matter what the vice is it is because you're using that because you're in pain and it's whatever becomes most accessible to us and there people would be shocked at how many people are using addictive behavior that seem to have it all together whether that's you know work or whatever we're using to block things out and it comes back to what you were talking about before that lack of self-awareness or lack of education or knowledge about hang on maybe there are some other things that i could do here and further to that we often don't want to go and um, take that step to make the change because when we are in that much pain uh, we we also know that to actually confront these things and look ourselves in the mirror and be honest with ourselves, it is really, really tough. And, so tough. And there's no quick fix solution to it. This is a lifelong journey. I mean, once you go on that path and make that decision, it's not like, oh, I could spend, you know, a month, three months, a year uh, confronting these things, and then I'm all good. It's this is daily, you know, you got to front up, you got to keep being honest with yourself. We never stop evolving and learning. So that's, I think that's part of the education in this as well. It's about what are some practical things that we can all do on a day-to-day basis to make these Mm. changes, but how do we do it in that sustainable way where we can actually, because it's all about, you know, I'm really big on daily habits and doing Mm. things regularly, you know, every day, if you want to make that long-term change. And I think, Another problem with, um, you know, in the industry that both of us are in, um, Mm. a lot of the education often is about motivation in the sense of, hey, guys, you know, come on, let's get you feeling good. Let's make that change. Let's do this. And, you know, it might be like, oh, yeah, I feel good. I'm going to do it. And, you know, you go and do it for a a week, two weeks, but it's not looking at the core or making it, you know, really aligned with something that gives you purpose or a real rationale behind it and you don't stick to it. So, uh, again, the, this is like so important to all the stuff that you're talking about here. <laughs> I'm getting so excited by everything you're saying, <laughs> for real. Uh, and, and, you know, I think like what your, your point that you mentioned on motivation is, is huge, you know, and I've honestly, like I have learned over the years and like on my podcast, like literally interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people from so many different fields, I have honestly learned that if anybody is going to talk about like self-improvement, motivation, productivity, and yet they don't mention mental health, they're just like they're only tackling the surface. And the reality is, is that, you know, I think so much of like the whole entrepreneurship industry you know, it, it you know is largely like misdiagnosing people that have mental health problems as like a lack in motivation, or they just say like, oh no excuses, you know, just do it, you know, and and like you look under the hood and you look at the the science, you look at the research, you look at what smart people say, and that's just that's just not the reality, you know, and so I think, um. you know, and so you know you know this, and that's why I'm so glad to be able to have this conversation with you because at the end of the day, man, like. For me, like as a podcaster, 
I, I have sat in front of so many people who have told me a lot of great, um, credible information. And I've also sat in front of a lot of people who have told me, you know, BS and crap. And for me mm. as a podcast mm. host, like I'm only interested in sharing with my audience the root cause. You know, what can I give them that is the highest ROI for them time-wise so that they don't have to, you know, waste their time. And, you know, talking about like key topics like um, the truth, uh, pain, setting up the right kinds of systems in your life, um, addiction, your nervous system, um, nutrition, exercise, sleep, meditation, all these different things. These things are so important to talk about because this is what actually enables someone to, you know, transform in the sense of like their brain. You know, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember going to school and I remember I couldn't focus for more than three minutes. And I remember I was, had extremely low energy. I would be sleeping the entire day. And it's really interesting to see how as you begin to work on these, you begin to not necessarily like become limitless because everyone still has their limits, but you really begin begin to gain a sense of awareness and you begin to see how you yourself best work. And mm-hmm. when you give yourself the right ingredients, so to speak, to, um, t- to be healthy from multiple different perspectives, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually – then that's all that's like the ultimate motivation that's like the ultimate productivity hack that you need for at least from my opinion so i'm so glad that you mentioned that because to me it's like it's all about digging down at the source it's all about going to the root and if you don't do that then you know you're just offering people band-aid solutions that you know are only going to go so far and so i don't you know i don't want to waste people's time so i'm so glad that you brought that up because that's so 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 important especially in our industry for sure 100% and and you know what you're saying about how you know if you do if you put all these things into practice and almost you know feeling like you become limitless it's sort of becoming limitless in a different way to what society's taught us where we're taught Mm. that you know you're going to be and like what you're saying before with these motivational um sort of information or people being told just do this and you're going to be okay and push through the pain um the pr- the problem is where we've been we live in such a consumer driven world and we're taught mm. that it's all about external to be happy and mm. it's not saying that we shouldn't all be trying to achieve as much as you know we can but for the right reason and and a lot of the highest achievers in the world a lot of the richest people a lot of the most famous people are miserable and it's because they've built it on a belief system of when i acquire x i'm going to now be enough and that is absolutely a recipe for disaster. You're going to need to keep feeding that beast. So it's, again, not about saying, I uh, I don't want to achieve things. It's about yeah. saying, hang on. And like this thing you said about being limitless, if I can do this inner work on myself and really be okay with myself and have things that I do every day that make me feel good and things that I can control, because there's not a huge amount of stuff we can control in the world, but what we can control is where we put our thinking. So if we can create that system for ourselves where our internal world world is so sound that even if the world is falling apart around us, we know that we are okay and strong enough in ourselves that we can handle anything, then you do feel limitless because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether, you know, business is going well, whether it's having a, a bad period, whether whatever, we can deal with it. And that is 
what I find just insane about how the world's structured that we're not we should be educated in the opposite way we should be taught get that stuff right first then do everything else because then then yeah. you then you you're good whereas it's it's all about no let's put everything in the external world and yeah. become so volatile and vulnerable that you know one little thing you know goes and falls falls down and then we crumble you know it's like um it's a crazy thing but it, it is yeah. it is truly a crazy thing and it, it's such this interesting balance between um you know, external and, and internal validation, like you said. And, you know, the thing is, is, you know, I, I've seen people do this, myself included, you know, with not just money, you know, you could do this with good things too. You know, you could be obsessed with, you know, your parents' approval. You could, you know, say to yourself, you know, like, hey, when I, when I go to college and I get this degree and then I get my doctor's degree. Then my parents are finally going to be proud of me. And then I'm finally going to feel loved for the first time in my life. And then it happens. And then you're like, oh, crap. Let me go do this other thing. Let me go do this other thing. And so, you know, honestly, you know, personally for me, I have – obviously, I'm not going to say it all the time because I still have my own problems all the time. But, like, I will be out walking during the park like in the evening at night and I might be on the phone with a friend and I'll just like see the sunset and I'll just think to myself like, yo, literally today was the most perfect day. You know, I I may have not of, um, you know, I may not have, you know, hustled my mind to a pulp in front of a computer screen for 16 hours. I might not have like, you know, made uh, like millions of dollars today. I might not have like, you know, gained a, a ton of followers, but the right things that are the most important to me are moving forward. And I think ultimately what it is, is like, it's this ability to lift your foot off the gas and to not feel like you have to like kill yourself today to get this thing done. And, you know, I think back to when I was like 15 and I was like trying to hustle and I was like making this, this six figure business. And I literally remember it was almost as if like, when I was telling myself, I would tell myself, okay, Mark, you have to get this done. And if you don't get this done, then, you know, you're a piece of crap, you know? And so it, it's almost like you're, you're holding yourself hostage and it's really just exhausting. And it's, it's like this constant, like you're always fighting and it's not like you're fighting things from the outside, but it feels like your mind, your, your soul are constantly fighting against each other. And you don't even have a second, whether it's you driving alone in your car where you feel like you're at peace. And so for me, honestly, like I have these micro moments that happen many times throughout the week. Sometimes they don't happen during the week at all, where it's just like a totally normal day. And I'm able to step back and be like, this was literally a, a perfect day. You know, like I got, you know, I, I was able to move the needle in the right ways. I was able to do what I wanted. I felt like I treated myself with patience and, and love and forgiveness. And tomorrow I get to do it all over again. And so I feel like it, it's that real need because honestly, I don't think it's hard to be successful. Like for you to make a ton of money, I actually don't think it's hard at all. You know, there are people out there who, whether it's they have anxiety or depression or they become extremely successful. And a lot of the times they become successful at a cost. And that cost is oftentimes invisible to outside people. But it's that cost that I think sacrifices your peace. And so personally for me, like ever since I, 
you know, was able to like financially be pretty well off. I feel like I've been in like this real, um, you know, conquest to find success in a more peaceful way because it's possible. And, you know, I've been doing it and, um, you know, I think that for me personally, for me, that's what it's all about because, you know, you'll, you'll meet a lot of people who are very financially successful. And like you said, you can tell they're miserable. You can tell that they've never taken a break and I'm not taking a break. Literally, I'm talking about like a, a break mentally, you know, they're, they're constantly caught up in this hamster wheel. And so I find that if you're able to, you know, work on the internal and the external, just like you said, when you do become successful, you're not going to bleed as much. It's not going to cut you back. And so that's the most important thing because like I know so many people who are extremely, you know, talented. They have a ton of energy, you know, from from the world. They, they want to do a lot. Um, and I think a lot of people have just been taught that like you should just focus on um, you should just focus on working. You know, that's that's like your entire definition of where you get your value. And I think if you're able to step back and realize that like, yeah, sure, that's part of the game. Money is important. My career is important. But then also focus on, you know, the man or woman beneath, man, you're going to be so successful. And more importantly, when you actually become successful, you'll feel it. So many successful people, they don't even feel that they're successful because they're constantly, constantly, constantly in this in this hamster wheel it's almost like i think of it as like a negotiation for their love and so um yeah that's what i would say to someone you know especially younger people of like the hustle Mm. is important yeah Mm. but you should also try to hustle in other ways too to like build up your peace and your mental health because that is is actually going to be your foundation for when you do become successful for you to just enjoy it on a moment-to-moment basis absolutely and and you know like like you're saying it's until you make that change psychologically, we tell ourselves stories or if you are chasing money, if it's purely just chasing money for the sake of making money, you'll be telling yourself a story that I'm going to be happy or I'm going to be enough when I hit whatever you know, you've know you put as that benchmark. When you get there, oh, I don't feel good. What's next? So it's really about yeah. being able to, and this is the problem again with the society we live in. We're taught and especially through you know social media through all these different things we're fed we're taught that it's about getting these things to to be enough if we were taught the opposite that the definition of success is to be you know do all this work on yourself to be able to just wake up and uh you know do good things for other people look after yourself get your internal world you know in that really you know in the space like what you're talking about where you're able to just have a day where nothing drastic happens but you just you're feeling things and you're like you know i i've enjoyed just the process of what i've done today then the rest is all cream and it doesn't matter but it's it it it, it is insane when you think about it that why are we trying to acquire all of these things if we're not even enjoying the process and we're bleeding to get there. We don't know, you know, no one's promised tomorrow. So if we can't enjoy today and the process we're going through right now, this conversation, the next thing we're doing, what else is there? We only ever have this right now. So you may as well enjoy, you know, try and be present and enjoy that process. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think a big part of that is, um, 
you know, we have, you know, I think humans, I think we live in two worlds. We live in the external world. We live in the internal world. I personally think that when we're born as babies, I think we have, um, you know, not mo- not a more of a grasp, but I think we are uh, more sensitive to our internal world, to our emotions. And I think as we end up growing, especially guys, you know, we will face some sort of, um, you know, emotional turmoil on our on our internal. And then we try to come up with some sort of a a compromise or a protection layer versus that in our external world, you know, whether it's, you know, you have abusive parents, so then you tell yourself like, hey, I'm going to start going to the gym every day and I'm going to get super ripped. And, you know, obviously exercising is, is good for you, but that's an example of someone that's maybe, you know, pushing that to the edge. Um, and, and I really do think that um, we're just simply not taught. And as you grow older, you're just constantly deconditioned to not rely on your internal world your, you know, your intuition, things that you learn from meditation and so on and so forth. And you're just constantly relying on the external. And I don't think that's a recipe. I don't think that's how we're made. You know, I think that no. the ability for, you know, just human productivity today hasn't existed ever before. You know, like the ability to sit down and sit in front of a computer or a phone and, you know, do a lot of productive things, like literally be able to do things that we've never done before and change the world and hire people and sell things and just literally do it crazy amounts of things. If you think about it, we've never been able to be that productive before just from like a cell phone and us flicking mm. our fingers. And so I think there's a real like a addiction to that of like, you know, maybe humans in the past, maybe they didn't have the ability to be extremely productive all the time. And so I think it's almost like this trade-off where we're almost like, hey, let's work on our external world because that just is is more, where our world is more geared to, whether it's the education yeah. system, our jobs, our careers, everything. And, you know, for example, I'm super glad I get the privilege to um, – I was invited to be on this uh, Amazon Prime documentary series called The Social Movement uh, in this October – and um, I won't get into it, but basically what we're doing on the show is we actually are going to redesign and change the education system. And so I'm extremely looking forward to that and being able to like all these mental health things we've talked about, being able to implement these things in the mm-hmm. education system itself, because that's so important. You know, you know, if you you know, when we live in a world where kids are taught you know, how to read a map over how to read, you know, a map of their emotions or like the human mind or just like very, very basic things. How do you deal with your emotions? How do you communicate with others? How do you how do you stick up for yourself? Um, mm-hmm. Meditation, uh, learning, understanding how the human body works, um, you know, a basic form of like neuroscience about how our brain works. All these different things I think are, are so important. And, and um you know, this is this is already happening, but I think the more and more we can get this, especially to people who are younger, the more, you know, they're going to grow up and then they're going to have kids and then they're going to teach these kids, you know, their exactly. kids these things. And so that's what it's all about, too. And, 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 you know, this is all a generational thing, too. You know, like I don't think, 
you know, if, if we're talking about the 1940s and World War II, I don't really think anybody cared about mental health because why would you care about mental health when there are, you know, uh, governments dropping bombs on civilian cities and, and killing hundreds of thousands of people? And so I think what's been able to, to change of our importance on how we view things, luckily because we live in this kind of a world, has brought us the awareness to be able to say like, hey, we need to get back to this mental health stuff because, you know, this is this is a lot of how our, how our society was able to build from various religions to traditions to societies. Mm. You know, a lot of them a lot of them knew these things, but I think we've we've lost it to some degree, and now we're kind of getting it back to to the increased awareness, information, technology, accessibility, um, and so yeah, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Yeah, no. It, 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 agree with everything you're saying and yeah I'll, I'll have to look out for the for the amazon series and congratulations on that that's yeah it's super Thanks, exciting man. um Thanks, but yeah so so true what you're saying and it's it's almost reconditioning ourselves i i pursue acting and uh, i remember the first oh, nice. thing i the first the first thing i learned in um when i was doing this full-time acting course the first day um one of the teachers walked in and he said um we, we, you guys now need to unlearn everything you've learned for the last 20 years. And what he, what he meant was exactly what you said before. And this is why kids often make the best actors because mm. they're not, they haven't been conditioned yet. So their, their emotions are available and they're open. And for me, it was this, and I'm still on this journey where in my acting, I'm continually trying to, um, you know, remove all of these mechanisms that have been put in place to block my emotions because mm. and especially as men like you were saying before mm. we're taught it's not okay for a man to cry or to, to express this or to do that so you're trying to undo all of these things that um you know block us from having all of these amazing experiences but you know that's a another conversation um there's so many things i could you know talk about <laughs> um with you on this week i don't want to you know take too much yeah. of your time up here um but one thing I really I'm really interested in, and um, I've had the same experience myself. You talk about having crippling anxiety, overcoming that and dealing with it, and you know you've now gone out and, like you're saying, you're hosting a podcast, you've done TEDx talks, you know you you're speaking. How difficult was it to overcome that and? What, what are a couple of key things that strategies that helped you do that? Because it's an amazing example um, to share with other people. And I, I don't know if you could maybe have one or two points just with anxiety about what you could recommend. Because anxiety really from the work I do and what I see, this is one of the biggest issues that people face. It's such a common thing. You're an amazing example of overcoming that. So yeah, I'd love to hear yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think um, I, think I definitely had general anxiety for sure but you know for me the real uh, the real culprit i believe uh, for me was social anxiety you know social anxiety you know has something that you know has really been a part of me ever since i was a kid and that is extremely troubling because the really terrible part about that is social anxiety it, is a form of anxiety that happens to a lot of people. You know, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but in America, according to the statistics, social anxiety is the most common form of anxiety. And that's a that's a problem because as human beings, 
the way that we think about ourselves, the way that we create our identity is through our communities, our social, our psychosocial perspective. And when you have social anxiety, that is a recipe for low self-esteem, low self-confidence, no friends, and not having those things is extremely dangerous, especially when you get older. Um, and so, you know, for me and how I kind of dealt with this is one, I realized that social anxiety was not actually the main problem. And it actually turns out that social anxiety is one of the most common, um, I will call it, uh, symptoms of experiencing some sort of psychological trauma from when you were a kid is to have a socially anxious brain. I've seen it many, many times. And so I think the main thing that people need to understand is that as we were growing up, something happened to us, an event happened to us that shifted our nervous system. And that shift of our nervous system has not been able to shift back. And so what I mean is, you know, for me, I had social anxiety because of, um, you know, many different events with racism, social humiliation. And when you, when your nervous system freaks out in that moment and it shifts, it doesn't shift back. So then whenever you are in a social environment or you're with your parents or you're with your friends and your nervous system detects that some similar threat that, that happened to you might happen, the nervous system shifts again into fight or flight response. And you are unable to, quite frankly, control your behavior and lose your free will in that moment. And so I think that's the, the one of the most important like root cause things that I could say of like, you have to understand your psychological trauma. You know, there are a lot more experienced people than me that can talk more about this and more in depth. You know, seeing like a psychotherapist is great for this. Looking into mm-hmm. ways and how you can heal your old coping mechanisms because just like you said Nick what happens is when you're when you go through that experience and we've all gone gone through some some sort of this experience that's affected us differently your brain really learns and it's like hey this is how we live life and it develops mm-hmm. all these mechanisms trap doors shortcuts for you to to act like the way that your brain wants you to act and so that is extremely extremely you know, dangerous because that's how you end up living in a prison inside of your own mind. And a lot of the times you don't know that it's a prison because it's inside of your mind itself. Mm -hmm. So until you have some, some uh, experience of awareness, you don't actually know that's happening. And so that's, that's the, the, the first thing. The second thing that I'd say is, you know, in, on my journey in doing my research, one of the most important things that I became aware of was the fact that a lot of you know things from anxiety to mood swings to even like your sleep to your hunger a lot of things are controlled by your brain by neurotransmitters and you know everyone's sort of neurotransmitters like you know dopamine uh, oxytocin and like in my book I focus on a, a neurotransmitter called serotonin serotonin obviously a lot of people know it um, you know, it, it regulates your mood. It uh, it controls your appetite. It does a lot of different things. But one of the things that serotonin does is it actually controls how you behave in social groups. And so they've done studies that show people who have social anxiety 
have some sort of a dysfunction with their serotonin, whether it's their body is not um, receiving it in the right way or there's too much or there's too little. And so a lot of times this is how social anxiety can begin to look in the body at a biochemical level. And so, of course, you know, tackling your mindset, you know, working on your belief system, all that stuff is important. But I think working on your neurotransmitters from a biochemical perspective, specifically with, you know, I, um, you know, I mentioned this in my book and, um, you know, there's an emerging field of science that um, that's called nutritional psychiatry. And it's this um, emerging field of science that's been able to find out that, you know, contrary to just like what sounds like common sense, most most serotonin neurotransmitters aren't even in our brain. 90 to 95 percent of them are actually in this thing called the gut microbiome, which is a, um, you know, a lot more people know about it now. But it's this vast ecosystem of trillions of bacteria that sits between your intestines and your stomach. And every time you eat something, those bacteria eat it first and then they produce other bacteria and then your your stomach, your body digests that and uses that for energy. And so when you realize that 90% of your serotonin isn't even in your brain, it's in your gut microbiome, personally for me, when I began to change uh, my dietary choices and I began to eliminate the wrong kinds of foods as in, um, you know, eating artificial, uh, foods, you know, I don't, I personally don't think there's anything. Um, I don't think there's a universal diet that works for everyone, but, um, you know, eating junk food, artificial stuff, chemicals, preservatives, um, that stuff destroys your brain. And, um, you know, I don't know what the conversation is like in Australia, but in America, People are so unaware. You know, people only think that food only affects your waistline. You know, people think that food only affects how fat you are or if you have heart mm. disease. And the reality is that these are all connected. And, you know, in my book where I'm actually talking about this, the the section of the chapter is called first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And I kind of talked about how the only time in my life where I was extremely depressed and suicidal was when I was also abusing my body and over 200 pounds and eating a ton of crap, junk food and alcohol. And when you really look at this, it's crazy. You know, I, I mentioned a study in my book that was done in America that shows that um, someone eating um, junk food uh, can literally help put that person into a very negative, poor state. You know, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that you know, eating the wrong kinds of foods can create a mental health problem. But I definitely think it can speed it up for sure. And, you know, for me, I ended up, I remember growing up and eating cookies for breakfast. And when you just begin to learn about nutrition, you're like, oh, wait, you know, like there are these certain, you know, nutritional requirements that your brain requires the same way that if you have a car, you have to put this kind of gasoline in it. Even if you have the best car, you know, but you're loading it up with, you know, a ton of soda and cookies and crackers, of course it's not going to work well, you know? And, and, and like, you know, for some people, when they experience that kind of inflammation in their body from junk food, I've learned that that can look differently 
depending on the person. For someone that could look like them becoming obese. For someone else that may look like they have diabetes. For someone else it may look like they have anxiety. You know, like sugar is extremely, extremely correlated with anxiety. And, um, you know, I mentioned this study in my book that um, took people who were diagnosed with a mood disorder and then took people who were not diagnosed with anything and gave the people who had nothing extremely sugary foods. And literally, if you look at graphs of like their energy levels throughout the day, they mirrored a person that had bipolar disorder because of their blood glucose levels and crashing. And so for me, I really look at, um, you know, the underlying back end kind of neurotransmitters, because I find that if you can get your brain right, you can get your mind right. And, and I find that it's, it's oftentimes a lot easier to get someone to just begin to almost, um, you know, work on like very basic things like sleep, like food, and then be able to have them to work on their mind. Because, you know, personally for me, like when I was, you know, experiencing anxiety for a lot of my life and social anxiety for 10 years, it's very, very hard to, at least in my opinion, to be able to get someone like that and just tell them like, hey, read this book or listen to this podcast. Uh, because a lot of the times I feel like they have a lot of underlying problems with their energy their biochemistry, their neurotransmitters, um, really just like what their body and brain has gotten used to. So that like if you give them something that's extremely hard to do, they're probably not going to do with a high success rate. But I find if you often, um, you know, help that person with their brain first, it gives them a more solid foundation to make it easier to then work on their mindset and to work on their mind. Um, so yeah, those are, those are two things that I would say. One are, um, understand psychological trauma, you know, try to look at your nervous system, heal, uh, look into, um, some other resources. And then two, you know, look at your neurotransmitters, look at your gut microbiome, look at the things that are happening, you know, beneath the surface that are going to be almost like your biochemical foundation for your mind to grow on. Yeah. And, and look, thank you for sharing that. And I, I think we could do about three, three different podcast episodes just on those yeah. topics. And, um, yeah. and like you're saying with nutrition, you know, there's nowhere near enough education about it. Australia is starting to, you know, move forward in that area and we're getting, a, there is a bit more information coming out, but it's got such a long way to go still. Mm. Uh, as you're saying, and as we're talking about in this conversation mental health is such a complicated thing and there's no there's no one size fits all there's no simple solution to it it's really about being able to understand all the different elements of it and and have enough information available to us for us to be able to go and make decisions you know based on learning about what's out there and you know for some people it might be seeing a psychologist or psychiatrist for some people it might be um going and really just doing some work on themselves listening to a podcast reading books doing these different things having more conversations about it there's there's just really no formula that is going to work for everyone and that's why yeah. you know the the education so important but um I wanted to, I guess, as an extension from what you were just talking about there, just 
are, are there are there some daily habits that you that you practice that that help you that that um we could you know pass on to the listeners yeah no absolutely um you know for me i have learned to really 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 you know respect and prioritize my sleep um you know sleep for me is so important as someone who like like literally stayed up every night (laughs) when i was growing (laughs) up uh you know being able to uh really get deep sleep you know i wear a um you know i wear a very comfortable um what's it called a a headband or eye mask um yeah to uh to really get darkness um so sleep is massive I think another big, big one for me is meditation. You know, I think meditation very much taught me how to learn about my internal world and how to understand my intuition and just how to understand my mind itself. You know, and I a note on meditation is like, um, you know, I think, I think now meditation is now seen as like a high performance tool. That's because it is. And I think a lot of people are, are just like solely using it to like increase focus or like to decrease stress. And it definitely does that. But I mean, man, meditation redesigns your mind. It literally completely redesigns uh, your mind, how you think about yourself. Um, So that one is a must for me. Another one is um, I like doing uh, like breathing exercises. I don't do them every day, but uh, especially days where like I have – like a speech or something or something where I know my nerves are going to be up, uh, ha- doing a breathing exercise, whether that's, uh, just like, uh, you know, like outside, but then also after like, a um, like a cold shower, you know, like uh, a lot of people talk about cold showers and, um, they're terrible, but, uh, doing a breathing exercise in a cold shower Man, it like really, it really teaches your nervous system a lot. It's extremely hard, um, but that's good. Another another one for me is like just writing. You know, I like whenever I feel like I'm stuck or I'm off, I will, you know, just pull out like my my iPad and I have the the pencil for it, and just like write down like what I'm hmm. like what I'm thinking, trying to be honest with myself. Because I find that a lot a lot of the times like my mind moves so fast that sometimes I don't even know what I'm thinking that yeah. I will often feel like an emotional response come and I won't even know why. Uh, and so I find that if I'm able to just kind of stop and write down what I am thinking, feeling as like a, you know, completely honest reflection, super, super helpful. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, th- there's a lot of them, but I think those for me are, are, um, are the base for sure. Uh, I like to go for walks a lot too. Like I, um, you know, I think a lot of people exercise and stuff, but I find the power of, um, you know, the ability to like do mini workouts during the day, you know, not just like working out for like the first hour of the day and then just like sitting down for the rest of the day, but being able to be mobile throughout the entire day, having breaks where you can go for walks, do jumping jacks, things like that are so important um at least for me and those are critical for anxiety having these mini workouts throughout the day um you know another the last one i'll say is like i um you know if i will if i have meetings where i won't have to be at my computer like this i'll schedule them all in a row 
and I'll just go for like a massive walk outside for like an hour and a half and I'll just like be on meetings on my AirPods and I find that, you know, when I'm walking completely decreases my anxiety and really helps me think much clearer too. So yeah, those are definitely some, some core habits. How about you? What's like one habit that, that like you, like you have, not have to do, but what's a core habit of yours? I'm curious. For me, yeah. And they're, they're great habits. Um, similar sort of thing. So um, for me and from the stuff you're saying, you know, I think for me, it's a similar thing where my mind is often moving so fast that I've had to find these things and, you know, that, that can really help me. For me, it's exercise is really important. I come from, I used to compete at a pretty high level in, mm. in sport. So since, since then, and when I went through this period of depression and overcoming it, exercise became a really big thing for me to just get out of my mind. Um, so I exercise every day, um, meditation. I've been, I, I learned transcendental Vedic meditation mm. about, about 10 years ago. Um, nice. and I've kept doing it. So I, every morning wake up, do my 20 minutes of meditation more, more recently, actually. And you talked about breathing before, um, I, for, for my acting, I was, um, learning more breathing techniques and so much of breathing is, you know, we're, we're not, we're not taught how to breathe properly and, you know, belly breathing and doing, you know, just, and it's amazing. Like if even taking in, you know, three really deep breaths properly, it, it just, it's almost like a valve goes off. So that's another one. So I'll wake up, meditate, breathing, do my exercise. I do gratitude journaling. Um, and you know, they're, they're the main things I do. I do every day. And apart from that, it's things like, just making sure I'm checking in with myself. I've got three people or probably more, but you know, people that I'm very close with that I trust that I can just have very open conversations with and, and, and the same on either end. So being accountable with, with people, uh, and, and like you said, oh, cold showers, that's the other one. So I try and do, I don't always get it every day, but I try yeah. and do one. I, I hate it, <laughs> but you do, you feel amazing after it. So, um, they're, they're some of the things and, and, and I, I really find, you know, these things not only make you feel good uh, when you do them, but it's also just, a, it's, it's a clutch. It's like if you're having one of those bad days, and I've had so many examples of this where things have, you know, I've, you go through this period where things are just not going how you want and you can't control it. I've been able to draw myself back to, okay, you know what? I can't control a lot of these things that are happening right now, but what I can control are these daily things that I do. I'm still going to wake up. I'm going to go and exercise. I'm going to do these things. And no matter what else happens in the day, I know that I've got these things that, and it, you know, it really does. Um, it, it helps. It, it makes you feel like you can deal with anything. So that's yeah. really helped for me. Um, and I, I, I'll finish. Yeah. I don't want to take too much more time, mate, but um, just was going to ask you just quickly. Um, I think it's an interesting thing for the listeners. Do you, do you still get nervous going and, and doing talks and, when you get on stage because i think it's oh, important for people yeah, yeah. oh my god <laughs> you still get nervous yeah. yeah yeah for sure and and you know a lot of people ask me this now and i'm so glad because um it, it is so important to talk about mm. and mm. um i remember really throughout my entire life i would feel this nervousness and it would almost um you know really cause my body to shut down you know, it's like that fight yeah. or flight response. And I think on a similar note of what you said of like being able to do these things, these uh, coping mechanisms, these habits that you can control, 
and and everything I've you know I talk about like I write about in my book um, that has really enabled me for it to be I don't want to it's definitely a different form of energy you know it's definitely nervousness but it's um, it's much lighter and it doesn't make me feel like I'm gonna die but mm-hmm. however it is very much there and really what I would say is like honestly the talks that I've done where I don't get nervous, I don't do as well. And that's just the truth. And I've really learned this uh, this power of being able to harness it, being able to harness this nervous energy. Mm-hmm. And if I'm able to do that, I have like some of the best talks that I've ever done, ever. And it really just goes to show me that like, this is a part of who I am. You You can't run away from this. You can't try to ignore this you have to accept it and only once you accept it then it really begins to become a manageable issue that's really not that bad you know and so i feel like that is like the paradox of it of like when you go through it and you don't learn these you're like oh my god i hate this what are people thinking they probably hate me there's a lot of the shame this guilt of like oh why me but then you eventually learn what this is you, you learn some of the science behind it. You understand this is a totally normal thing that a lot of people go through. You begin to work on those, on yourself with those, you know, habits, with those coping mechanisms and your nervous system is in a much better spot. So then, yeah, it may feel that same level of nervousness, but it is much, much lowered. And when it is lowered, then you can grab onto it and literally use that and harness it for your purpose to impact other people, to really invoke emotion and confidence in your words. And so, yeah, like yeah. literally the, the yeah. talks where I've I've noticed I haven't been nervous yeah. at all, those are the talks I don't do as well. But the ones where I am and then I'm able to, you know, in my mind and throughout the days, like be able to control that, the best talks ever by a long shot. So, yeah, I definitely still get nervous, but I have learned to harness it. And, and mm. just by doing everything that I've learned to do, it's, it's not that bad and it's, it's manageable and it's, it's quite fun. <laughs> exactly. I mean, when you, when you sort of, if you're not nervous, it's sort of, sort of you're not caring as much and it's, a, it's that fine line. But I mean, and that's the message and that's what I learned. I, when I first, I, I, I struggled massively with anxiety. And when I first started talking, I remember at university, I had to talk in front of five people. I'd be vomiting before I go out there and I'd have it on a sheet of paper and I'd be like looking, I'd be looking down word for word, shaking mum. People probably didn't, you know, I could have been speaking a different language. I don't think they understood me. But eventually what I learned was it's, it's, it's a mindfulness technique of my mind was telling me, you're not good enough, you're going to fail, everyone's going to judge you, you've got nothing good to say, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I went and did a pretty average job and nothing bad happened. So the learning I took out of that that I've taken to everything else I've ever done in my life, it's probably the biggest thing that's helped me has been, you know what? My mind, if I know deep down that I want to do something, I might not be the best at it, but if I want to do it, I'm going to do it no matter what my mind tells me. And the mind might be saying all these crazy things and then you can say, you know what, it's okay. I don't feel comfortable right now. My mind's telling me this, I'm going to do it anyway. And the more you do that, you recondition the thinking. So they, those thoughts might be there a little bit, but they lose the power that they have over you. And and you know, and the same as what you were saying, though. I've done thousands of talks now. I pursue acting, and that's another thing where you know it's this crazy awesome. thing from barely being able to have a conversation with people to then making a career doing these things out there. But I still get nervous. But 
it, it is that good nervous energy that you harness and it means you care. You're nervous because you you care about what you're doing. If you're doing a talk, you're nervous because I want to do the best job I can. I want to impact people in this talk. In every single you know moment that I have to do to be out there in front of people, I want to use that as a catalyst to help. And that's a po- and I think that's a message for people to understand that a lot of life people are avoiding um, discomfort. It's not how things work. We we have we can't just be you know sitting. If you want to go sit sort of in a cave and not be operating in the world. Uh, maybe but we need we're going to feel uncomfortable you know we can't just avoid things so yeah really good point and um look we've covered so many things here um i've got i i finish each one of these up with um a couple of just closing questions that i ask everyone just sort of um and these can be just quick sort of answers to to um you know whatever comes to mind um just before i go into that um i wanted to ask if um people want to look you up or find out more about you or where you know where can we send them i'll put this in the show notes as well but yeah where 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 can they go to find out more about you yeah if people go to my website which is just my first and last name dot com m-a-r-k-m-e-t-r-y that'll have links to you know my, my podcast all that stuff um people can email me um my main social media network is is linkedin uh, so people want to connect with me on there, feel free to do so or Instagram. Um, but yeah, thank you for asking. No problem. And I'll put all of the links um, in the notes for this episode as well. So they'll have that. Awesome. Oh, and sorry. Yeah. One, before I go into this as well, just, and really quickly with, um, how, how, what's your experience with the coronavirus been? Have you found, and the uncertainty that's come with that, how's that been how, from what you've seen? Um, like in, like in terms of, um, like in terms of what we've been talking about, like mental health or just... Yeah, I think so. Just for in, in, in terms of seeing, you know, not necessarily just from your own, from your personal experience, just in seeing, you know, this uncertainty. How, how have you, yeah. you know, how's that been? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's it's been interesting. I think that, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that, I think that a lot of people are going to come out of this uh, virus pandemic and not change and just do the same thing they've always done. However, I definitely think there's a, a much bigger majority of people who are actually changing from the perspective of you start to realize what's important in life, you gain perspective. Uh, and then also, you know, in America here with everything regarding like black lives matter and racism. I think people are just starting to understand like what matters. Uh, there's people out there who have it worse off uh, than you. And so I think, I think majority of people will either come out of this and just keep doing the same thing they've always done or get better and start living their life on purpose. And that requires them to get healthy and so on and so forth. And then unfortunately, you know, I definitely think there's a percentage of people who are going to get worse. And I definitely mm-hmm. think there's a percentage of people who, whether it's, um, you know, relying on alcohol, drugs, um, inside, you know, uh, social media, uh, I think things like that, people who were maybe already slipping, I think they have slipped into this weird time in human history for the last three, four months. 
where yeah. it's just like quarantine. And so I hope that, that people use this event to, um, to gain perspective and to maybe do things they wouldn't normally do um, mm-hmm. for the better. But I also think there's a lot of people who are just not going to do that. And so I think that, um, yeah, I think that because of COVID, I think it's definitely highlighted mental health more. And we've been able to realize like, oh, wow, it is actually extremely important. I feel like everyone at least has, has gone through the cycles of kind of feeling like they're crazy while they're quarantined uh, and then coming out of it. But, um, but yeah. And then, you know, the other thing that I would say too, is just like, um, you know, all these healthy coping mechanisms that we talked about, other than the ones that you can do by yourself, you know, a lot of these we can't do anymore. You know, like in America, the gyms still aren't open. So it's like you can't go to yeah. the gym with your friends, you know. Um, things are starting to open up and, and you can, you know, hang out and socially distance and stuff. But, um, you know, a lot of it's like, you know, your friends used to hang out with, you can't do them anymore. And so it was really like this weird experiment I almost kind of felt like where it's like, hey – we're, we're going to increase the difficulty right now. Um, but then now, you know, as things open up, I mean, you really understand just how much you're taking things for granted. Like just the ability to go to the gym. I, ne- I never thought once I couldn't be able to do that, but it mm, happens. Mm, so, mm. Um, yeah, so it's definitely been interesting for sure. And I think not having these coping mechanisms to rely on has definitely taught me so much about myself. I definitely think that the last three, four months have taught me the most about myself than any other time in my life, except for maybe like when I was 18 and going through that. But yeah, it's been, yeah. It's been interesting. <laughs> great, great answer to it. And, uh, and I love that to be able to look and, you know, be already have, while we're still, you know, in this, like you're saying from your personal example, seeing that, and same for me, you know, I've had to move myself back from Vancouver at the moment. Yeah, and I just can't conf- imagine. <laughs> just all these crazy things but you know then you keep going you i'm actually drawing on all the things that i've been you know teaching myself trying to teach other people and it's really helped and you learn so much about yourself when you strip away a lot of the um a lot of what we have normally have available so yeah i, I love your answer to that um for these these are just the quick closing questions we finish up with um so i got five here the first one um and yeah just whatever comes to mind for this um best childhood memory for you what would you say that would be um, the best childhood memory I have is, um, oh man, I'm like thinking of so many. Um, <laughs> I think my, I think my peace childhood experience is, um, I have this memory of like me going to the beach with my family and like this beaten up like Toyota Corolla and uh like we packed our own lunch and, and everything like that and i remember it was just like um you know this experience uh that we didn't normally have but we but my parents just tried um so yeah that's that's a big experience for me love it thank you for sharing that um what do you think at the moment is the biggest burden on mental health in society um food I think that, you know, food has the ability to grow someone or to harm someone. And I think just due to the lack of education, a lot of people are taught that a lot of these candies and like these snacks Mm. that are very brightly colored and they look like they're for kids are harmless. And the more you just learn about that from a health perspective, the more you realize that 
from you know the moment that someone wakes up and they eat breakfast, people are always eating, and eating is their fuel, their source, and um, you know you are literally what you eat, and so that reflects across your mental health. So I definitely think yeah. it's people's diet, their food. Great, and yeah, we haven't had someone say that as an answer to, to that one yet. So yeah, very good. You know, food is something we all need to become more aware of. Uh, in, where, where do you see uh, mental health being in society in the next 10 years in the sense of, I, I guess, do you see it, you know, Im, improving in education, resource, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the more problems that we're able to solve at an external level, the more our society will be like, hey, let's check more in the internal because it'll we'll yep. finally have space for that. And um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's massive. I think, um, you know, I think probably like corporations are going to lead this, which is just, I think how a lot of times how change happens where, um, absolutely, you know, you get big companies that are able to, you know, hire the right kinds of people to build out these programs, these protocols, these, these trainings mm-hmm. that they can then go to other companies and affect every organization on the planet from government to education. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it's going to continuously go and go because the more that, we become rich and successful, the more we realize that's not the point of the game. And so I think that'll continuously keep highlighting itself to us in our society. Absolutely. Um, just two more here. What What would you say, what's your personal definition of happiness? Yeah. So personally for me, I am someone who, you know, would rather use that term more in terms of like fulfillment. And yeah. I, I personally define happiness as a um, a, as a very you know um, like shallow feeling that is a combination of your brain sending different um, mm-hmm. you know uh, impulses to your ner- to your cells and the reason why I say that is because I think happiness can very much be bought you know I think in our Instagram world you can yes. buy something you can be given it's like hey you know it makes you happy for five seconds or for five minutes and so for me. You could do that all all day until you get like destroyed or burnt out or sick of it. For me, it's all about fulfillment. And so for me, that is um, me actually enjoying the process of where I am at mentally, mm-hmm. emotionally, physically, spiritually, and then also who I am in terms of in service to the world. Like, am I proud to be um, who I am? And am I constantly trying? You know, I, I've gone to many aspects, not recently, but like before, where I've been very complacent, where I've reached a certain level of success, and then I would get lazy. And I've learned mm-hmm. that that is not a part of happiness because uh, happiness is not like this thing that like once you get it, y- you hold it. No, it's this constant pursuit. It's this constant process that that never really ends. And so, yeah. me having that in the definition is definitely helpful for sure for sure you know the word happiness it's like like you're saying it's been completely we've been taught the wrong association with it um and it's it's process you know fall in love with the process and you can't go too wrong so i love your answer to that one as well love your answers to everything in this in this chat we've had um final one here uh what would you say is the most courageous thing you've ever done oh man Oh man, oh man! What's the most courageous thing I've ever done? Um, I'm sure there's a few, but um, or quite a lot from what we've talked about. But yeah, just yeah, one, one of them that yeah. comes to mind. 
I think honestly, it's probably like a couple things. Um, one is. One is, I think, just telling my story, you know, like as someone who had social anxiety, uh, you know, talking about yourself, talking about your story is probably like one of the most scariest things. And so the fact that I did that, and especially when I was doing this at like 18, 19, I had, I had no idea what I was doing at the time. It's, it's just, it's one of those things I look back on as like, like shout out to, to my past self. Um, that's one. And that's one. And I think, um, you know, I think, uh, like I, I have many moments of myself as a kid sticking up for people who couldn't stick for up for themselves. And, um, I feel like that's probably because I felt like nobody was sticking up for me. Um, and so I remember it many times, whether it was, um, I remember, you know, like growing up in the school that I went to, uh, there was one other uh, family who was not white. And I remember like, you know, he was also facing a lot of racism. And I remember, you know, sticking up for him when I was even being bullied too. And I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. There are just many moments like that throughout my entire life that make, make a lot of sense as to who I am today. Um, but yeah, I think sticking up for myself and other people. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And look, thank you so much for making the time to have this chat. I've really really enjoyed it i know that everyone listening to this is going to be able to take a lot out of it um want to say again to you i've got so much respect for what you're doing it's an amazing thing to be out there sharing your story doing all the different initiatives you're doing and i mean at such a young age as well it's 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 unbelievable mate so uh congratulations on everything thank you so much for coming on here and i really appreciate it yeah, man, this was a killer, killer podcast. And um, and yeah, thank you so much. And I'd definitely love to learn about your story sometime too, for sure. For sure, mate. Yeah, thank you so much. Cheers. Woo! This episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Boozer. Thanks to Mark Metry for joining me today on Move Your Mind. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.